1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And and baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris. Cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine.
2: How is it going, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine, officially the first episode of uh, 2024. I'm your host, Blake Harris. Now, joining me, my co host, Josh Schaefer. And the reason that this is the first episode of 2024 is because uh, Josh over here has, I think, probably spent more days in the country of Canada. Than the country of, you know, America since the new year began. The dude literally traveled all over Canada in what looks like the coldest trip I have ever seen. And uh, that's not even like the highlight of his uh, hockey, you know, reel that he's done over the last month or so. But we'll get to that. But before that, Josh, uh, welcome back to the States. It's great to have Thank you. you. Uh, two questions. What's it like being in weather that is about 60 degrees warmer than uh it was in canada when you were there and two have uh you been able to make do without having tim hortons down the street uh, every day of your life
3: yeah well uh, you know first and foremost thanks blake it's it's great to be back and, and and happy to be back in in the states um yeah um you know in some cases it might be 60 degrees um warmer here in in california and in, in some cases it might be even more than that because our trip started in uh well, it was in San Jose, and then we flew from San Jose to Calgary, where it was minus 35 one day. So that was fun. Um, bought myself a nice puffy jacket before we went. Um, and I was out in, the, in that minus 35 for a couple seconds getting off the bus. And I was like, you know what? This is not half bad. And then was out there for like another 45 seconds and thought, my God, I will die. Um, cause you don't feel the cold, like through the clothes, it's anything that's exposed. Like you feel the, the little hairs in your nose freeze. Like you feel like if you blink, you feel like a little bit of moisture from your eye, like freeze. Like it, it is, it is pretty crazy. Um, my broadcast partner was getting like ice in his beard. Like it's, it's pretty crazy how quickly it happened. So that was, that was fun. Um, we had a good time there. Um, And then after that, we went to Vancouver, where we even had a couple of days off in Vancouver before we drove out to Abbotsford, where the Canucks affiliate is. Um, And Vancouver is great. Unbelievable town. I see why Ryan Reynolds likes it so much. Um, So Van City Reynolds. um, Good for him. Good for Canada to have that place. And uh, Vancouver is awesome. Highly recommend. I even threw this out there, that if the MLB were to add another team in Canada, I think that it should 100% be in Vancouver. Vancouver is a great place. And then in regards to Timmy's, Blake, people are always like, oh, Tim Hortons is Canadian Starbucks or it's Canadian Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, Tim Hortons is like the American traffic light. Like it is every block. It is literally on every single block. So um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tim Hortons is God's gift to planet Earth. It is certainly God's gift to Canada and our (laughs) friends from the North because it is good. Um, what is crazy though, is that is it's solid. It's nothing incredible, but it's solid. And it's like dirt cheap because when you're in Canada and then you see what the conversion rate is, I just looked at my credit card statement from the last day I was there. And I can tell you right now, I got a breakfast farmer's wrap. I got a box of timbits, and I got a medium coffee for like five bucks us that you cannot the day before I left, I went to dairy queen and got a blizzard for $8.00. And I got all that for five bucks Canadian or five bucks U.S. So it's pretty crazy how it works out. But uh, but yeah, Canada, great place. Had a great time, but 11 days. And that means no podcast for a little while.
2: Yeah, they do things better in Canada. I mean, top to bottom, Canada is the place to be. But yeah, Josh, if you follow him on Twitter or anywhere, you were knowing that this dude was all over the country. And yeah, it looked cold because I watched some of those videos, Josh, and it looked unbearable i become dramatic when it's like in the 30s so i yeah, can't well, even imagine
3: anything Vancouver worse than that. wasn't that bad so Vancouver was cold but the thing about Vancouver is it's also very damp and like wet in Vancouver um and they mostly get the rain not snow Calgary there was no snow it was too cold the snow in Calgary because <laughs> it was well below zero um but Vancouver, the last day we were there, got, like, one of their worst snowstorms in, like, years. So there was snow in Vancouver the last day, and it was, like, the slushy stuff. So that was not very much fun. But before that, it was great.
2: Yeah, I again, I... I would not do well, so I'm glad you are able to make it back in one piece. So that's actually not the, uh, again, biggest piece of hockey news. The last time we recorded, Josh, I said this before we, you know, came on and did the show, was about a month ago. It was right after Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers, before he had his press conference. I think this was like the day after, but that was a really tough time to record because uh, you were in Arizona at the time. We had talked about it in the days prior if Yamamoto, for some reason, signs with the Dodgers. We got to do an emergency podcast. We couldn't do an emergency podcast the night he signed. We had to do it the next morning, but we had a very limited time frame because there was, I mean, there's nothing really more important, Josh, than the Dodgers signing the biggest free agent you know, pitcher of all time. <laughs> there's nothing bigger than that. But you managed to find the one thing that actually did slightly edge it out in a way because you had to fly back immediately to Los Angeles because you got to call an LA Kings game on TV I know this seems weird talking about this because this happened a month ago, but that's what happens when you're on the road nonstop, you know, being a play-by-play for a hockey team. So, quick thing. Uh, also, when we recorded the episode, I didn't even want to mention it because I didn't know if that was like a download thing. So, on the episode, I didn't even talk about it. I don't even think you mentioned it. I think yeah. you said you are going back to Los Angeles, so we didn't even talk about right. that. But quickly, uh, first off, congrats. uh Thank Us you. little people now that, you know, got to grow up with you. And listen to your beautiful voice. Now we're not Aww. worthy, but two just overall again. I, I guess a a quick sixty second spark notes version about what the uh, experience was like calling a game for a professional hockey team on you know television.
3: Yeah, well, I I had done it before on radio a bunch of times, which was always awesome because I grew up a Kings fan, obviously. Um, and then, uh, getting a chance to work here has been great as well. And getting to do all those games was a dream come true, but was in Arizona with family. Um, we had just helped a friend of ours move into a new apartment. I had put down the very last box and my phone rang and it was the Kings and they needed to fly me back out to LA. So flew out to LA, um, their, their, uh, broadcaster was under the weather. So filled in, did the game on TV and it was really cool because the producer, uh, for the Kings telecasts is uh, the dad of a friend of mine from high school. So had never worked with him before, but knew him before. Um, and then, you know, getting to be a part of the, the broadcast that I grew up watching for the last 25 years was, was really cool. And uh, it also helped that the Kings won and it was a great game in front of a packed crowd at, at Crypto.com Arena. So awesome to, to just play a small part in that and get to do the game on TV. And
2: uh, maybe they'll let me do it again sometime. And a fun part of the story, if I remember my timeline correctly, you also, when you flew back, you were on the same flight as a former Dodger. But we'll I keep was that as on a, the same flight.
3: Yes, well, I, I was on the same flight as a former Dodger who uh, is slash was a pitcher um, and is no longer a part of the Dodgers or any team for that matter.
2: But it's a fun trivia thing out there. Josh was on the plane with the former Dodger. But congrats again, Josh. One of my buddies in uh, MB, as we like to call it. He's a huge Kings fan. <laughs> he was watching the game and saying, this is so sick, man. Because, you know, he's a listener to the show and whatnot. And he's, a, again, a, a diehard Kings fan. He's like, we need more games like this. We need Josh on the call more often. So, again, uh, MB approves. Everyone else approves. And, again, you, Josh, when you're, when you're a big shot, again, make, try, try and make time in the future for uh, us little people when we were maybe one podcast. day
3: I can be a part of MB as well.
2: <laughs> well, let's go through the <laughs> initiation process and that's a tough, one. Ooh, I don't uh, want to do that. <laughs> we haven't, uh, we haven't added any new members in quite some time, but again, I, I can make some phone calls. I am, you know, the president slash chair slash, you know, co-founder. So we'll see what we can wow. do, but enough of that. Let's uh, talk some Dodgers because Josh, there is actually a lot of Dodgers news that we got to get to before you head out and go to a Kings game as if, yeah. calling games isn't enough. You got to go and watch them in person from beautiful seats. <laughs> hey, maybe Mookie and Will Ferrell are going to be there again. The like, last time, the, actually time. the last time I was at a game was that game. So hey, there you go. You never know who you're going to see <laughs> the Kings game. But again, before we get to all the Dodgers news, you guys can find us on social media at inside the ravine. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube. So you guys can find us there and make sure you listen to the show, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple. And of course we're on the odyssey app, Josh, any other Dodgers podcast would start with a number of other moves. But here at Inside the Ravine, we've got to start with the biggest one. This is Again, this is our first episode in about a month, so I haven't been able to get your immediate reaction outside of your text messages from when this went down. It's something we've kind of hinted at slash joked about uh, over the last year and a half, two years or so. Unfortunately, it finally came to fruition. Michael Bush, Josh's favorite athlete slash baseball player of all time, is no longer a Dodger. He is now a Chicago Cub. He goes along with Yancey Almonte to the Cubs, and in return, the Dodgers get a couple of pretty notable minor leaguers, nothing major, but some guys that could potentially help the Dodgers down the road. Josh, I'll throw it to you. How are you doing? I know you've had a couple weeks to at least react to this news. You've been able to hopefully better yourself after this news. But just uh, where were you when you got the news, and how sad were you Did you pretty much go into ghost mode for 24 hours? Tell everyone not to talk to you or associate with you? Unfortunately, I couldn't because I was in Calgary,
3: Alberta, where it was (laughs) minus 35. But when I saw the trade go through, I thought, you know what? I might just wander out into the cold and see what happens Um, because I was disappointed. Um, Obviously, uh, uh, Michael Bush was a player that I was hoping would get a legitimate crack with the Dodgers. But the fact of the matter is that he never really got that opportunity. Um, You know, he was significantly better than the pitching that he saw in triple a um he was absolutely lighting up that league playing with oklahoma city and the few opportunities that he got with the dodgers he was just okay um but again you know he was never really given a real shot um in the show with the dodgers which is disappointing but also that's kind of the way that some of these things work out so um the fact of the matter is that i'm happy for him that he's going to get an opportunity with the cubs i sincerely think that he will get a legitimate opportunity in the show in Chicago Um, and Yency Almonte obviously had his ups and downs with the Dodgers. Um, His, his ups were very, very high. Um, And, uh, and he was a big part of the Dodgers, you know, bullpen these last couple of years. Um, So ultimately we knew that a move like this was probably coming. You and I had speculated probably off the podcast that it might be a guy like Bush or Almonte, or maybe even a couple of these other guys that are in that same kind of category. Um, but ultimately with the way that they've made signings this offseason and and have done so in a really big way, they needed to create some space on that 40 man roster. And, you know, unfortunately for guys like Yancy Amante, Yancy, I think is one that I'm a little bit more surprised about than Michael Bush, but, um, but Bush was a guy that just never really got that opportunity never really made the cut. And, uh, and now they needed to create space. So he was on the chopping block first. Um, and in regards to their return, um, the Dodgers return is not bad, but certainly I think this is a move that is more catered to the guys that they have already brought in and needed to create space, not the players that you would be getting in return for, you know, your top prospect, Michael Bush and a solid bullpen piece and Yancy Almonte.
2: Yeah. I tweeted it after it happened, pretty much saying this is like the rare instance where a guy getting traded is pr- he's probably thrilled and excited just because Michael Bush, he did all he could in the minors. There was really nothing else he could do. He didn't have a spot with the Dodgers. We talked about how he would probably be starting the season in A, and that just wasn't fair to him. Again, the, the, the haul the Dodgers got in return, and I think is going to turn out to be pretty good, it, it, it does suck a little that the Dodgers, I feel like, maybe didn't get the best package they could have gotten from Michael Bush at the end of the day, when for years now we've kind of known there's probably not going to be a spot for this guy. They should have traded him when his value was at the absolute highest. They probably could have gotten some MLB-ready talent. But they needed to crunch some spots on the 40-man roster. Like you said, it sucks to see NC Almonte go. Especially, I think, this offseason, they like signed him to a contract or something like that. So that was a little surprising. But yeah, hopefully he's able to go there, be an everyday guy for the Cubs. I think, from what I've read, they're expecting him to be like their everyday first baseman or something like that. So... Hopefully he goes over there, he mashes, and the Dodgers, you know, say, well, we did all we could. But the return, Josh, uh, a quick thing on this. So I guess the headliner they get is Jackson Ferris. He's 19 Mm -hmm. years old, was a second-round pick in the 2022 MLB draft, only started 18 games last year in single A, so not not a whole lot to go off. 3.38 ERA, 3.27 FIP. He struck out 33% of the batters he faced. He did have a high walk rate, but a lot of people think that this 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 guy has a chance to be the best left-handed pitching prospect within a couple of seasons. He's drawn you know comp- comparisons to Blake Snell, and I think right now he's like the Dodgers' number nine overall prospect. So he's not going to be one of their top guys, but in, but in, what a nineteen-year-old, very very young, has a lot of upside. And uh, again, two or three years down the line, we could be looking at this trade going, wow, how did the Dodgers get this guy from Michael Bush?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And now I think even more important is that the Dodgers have two guys, uh, both pitchers, whose names combined would be Ferris Bueller. So, you know, I think that that's obviously the most important aspect of the trade.
2: And then the other piece they got back as well, a guy with even... More or less experience is 18-year-old outfielder Zaire Hope. He was an 11th-round selection in the 2023 draft. Appeared in only 11 games last year in the Arizona Complex League, but he did have an OPS just below 1,000, 137 wRC+. Plus, hit a lot of home runs. He's a power-hitting outfielder. Josh, I don't know if you've seen any of this. I saw this, I think, a couple days after on Twitter, but but apparently this dude was a pitcher also in high school. So maybe, although he's a power-hitting outfielder, he can turn turn into a pitcher as well, but again, he's only 18. He's probably not going to reach the majors if he does for four to five years, so that's why it's kind of tough to grade this trade now for Michael Bush, where if he goes and he mashes next year, obviously it's going to kind of suck, but again, five years down the road, we could look back and say, the Dodgers got two really good guys for Michael Bush, who could turn out to be an okay player, so... It sucks to see Michael Bush go, I wish he could have gotten his opportunity with the Dodgers, but you make your farm system that much better, you clear up some some space on the 40-man roster, and outside of breaking your heart and crushing you, everyone comes out a winner. Like Josh, Michael Bush might have taken this better than you did, the news. Yeah, he definitely did. I mean honestly the honestly the biggest casualty about
3: this is either my feelings or Arizona State Sun Devil Brian Servan who got DFA'd by the Cubs in order to make
2: room. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm shocked it wasn't a former Chatham angler, it's I know. I could look this. up I could look it up, but I would know if Brian Servan was a Chatham A. I was going to say, Josh, there's nothing to look up. I think you would know off the top of your head whether or not he was a Chatham Angler. So Michael Bush, Yancey Almonte, again, uh, enjoy Chicago. Josh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to the other actual notable moves that are going to help the Dodgers in 2024.
4: Be a pro with AC Pro.
2: All right, Josh, uh, a pretty interesting addition. And the reason I found it so interesting was because I don't think at any point during this offseason, we brought up this guy's name once. You know, we did episodes talking about free agents we would like to see. We had an episode where we became general managers of the Dodgers. And you and I each layered out like five to seven things that we would do as GM with, you know, no spending limit, no nothing, but I don't think we mentioned this guy at all. And that's Teoscar Hernandez. The Dodgers signed him to a one-year contract. I believe it was for $22, $23 million. I think about $10 million was deferred like 10 years down the road. But this was a surprising addition, Josh, because this is a guy that has received MVP votes in the past, has been one of the better power-hitting outfielders in baseball the last couple of years, the Dodgers didn't really need an outfielder as like the number one priority for them. After signing Shohei, after signing Yamamoto, we each thought they needed another starting pitcher or a reliever, and yet they come in, give this guy 22, 23 million. He reportedly had offers of three to four years on the table, but the Dodgers get him. So again, this is a guy that had MVP votes in the past, and now he's gonna be, what, your sixth, your seventh hitter in the Dodgers lineup? The, the lineup that features Otani, Betts, you know Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, Will Smith. They somehow found a way to make it even better. Yeah, this one was definitely
3: the biggest surprise for me, Blake, because, like you said, Teoscar Hernandez was not a player's. Uh, that was not a name that you and I had thrown around for a while. Um, and this was, I think, of all of the signings that the Dodgers had. Well, I guess this until the next one we talk about, which was more of something that piqued my interest a little bit. I think this is the bigger signing of the two that we're going to talk about, but to Oscar Hernandez was a signing that when I saw that made me go, Whoa, like, okay, like that's interesting. And you're right. I mean, he, he was, he's an all-star he's a two-time silver slugger award winner. Uh, he's coming off a season where he hit the second, uh, he had the second highest home run total of his career, two years removed from an all-star season where he hit 32 bombs. Um, but look, I mean, this is certainly one that I did not expect. And for me, I feel like this, completely wraps up your, or what could be a a solid starting nine for the Dodgers or, you know, a solid nine in the batting order. Because for me, I thought one of your other questions was whoever you put in that other outfield spot. But there it is. I mean, yeah. Oscar Hernandez is the guy that you pop into left field, I think. And again, you know, we've talked about, you know, where other guys would slot in. And I think that just makes the team so much deeper while also totally strengthening the team's starting lineup. Like this is not a depth signing for the Dodgers. This is a, a guy who I think you would like to expect to start every game, right? not every game, but to be your everyday starter in the outfield. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge addition.
2: And it makes it seem even better when you say they're going to be going from David Peralta to Teoscar Hernandez. Like, has how good the Dodgers offense was in 2023. I mean, you make that upgrade, it's absolutely insane. And not only, Josh, is this a guy that has 30 home run potential, he plays okay defense, above average defense. I did a tweet saying that he's the guy that plays, I think, above average defense. And apparently, Mariners Twitter found that, which... I have recently learned from our friends that Mariners Twitter is a thing and they can get very upset. And apparently they were very offended when I said he was an above average defender. Cause I guess he wasn't, but the metrics say that he is an above average defender. But my biggest takeaway is the fact that he absolutely mashes left-handed pitching, which is something the Dodgers desperately needed from someone in their lineup. Because if you're a Dodgers fan and you've watched this team the last five to six years, you would know one thing, unless it's David freeze, Nobody is hitting left-handed pitching, so that's where Teoscar Hernandez comes in. In 2020, Josh he had 275, 935 OPS, 145 WRC plus against lefties. In 2021, I had a double take when I saw these stats. Josh in 2021 against lefties, he hit 372, had an OPS of 1151, a 203 WRC plus. He then struggled in 2022. His average fell all the way to 286, 978 OPS, 176 WRC+. Last year was like his worst year of his career against lefties, and he still posted an OPS of 817, hit 287, 120 WRC+, which, again, are, are numbers you'll take any day of the week. So you're adding a guy that hits lefties extremely well. He's going to be, like you said, Josh, not an everyday guy, but I think he's probably going to start 90%. Of the games for the dodgers whether it's in left field whether it's in right field whether it's in center field but again considering you're upgrading from david peralta to to a guy where if he's healthy he can give you 30 home runs and hit lefties well i they they could have signed him for one year 35 million and i wouldn't have cared because one at the end of the day money doesn't matter to the dodgers anymore but two you're getting him for one year you're not locked into a three or four year commitment which is why a lot of people are kind of worried about him for one year even if he's above average it's one year. You can move on next year, or you could try to get him back, but again, I, I know we're going to be talking about Shohei and Yamamoto and Glass now, but I really think that this signing has the chance to be probably one of the more underrated ones for the Dodgers, and if all goes well, it could be like a J.D. Martinez 2.0, Josh, where we said last offseason when they signed him, this seems like a contract where for one year, you could really, really get a lot from this guy we saw with J.D., and again, hopefully we see with say, Oscar.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what the, the, the quote that he had right after he signed, I think is what stands out a lot to me, other than the fact that I think he fits really well. And obviously he can hit left handed pitching. But he was like, look, I mean, these guys want to win. And that's what I want to do, too. Like, to me, it doesn't matter where I'm at. Like, I just want to have a chance to win. And right now the Dodgers are fully committed to that. And there's no better place to be than in L.A. if you want to win. And and that's why he signed. So I think that that speaks volumes about the guy that we're talking about here is he just wants to win similar to some of the other guys. You know, he's he's putting winning first and the Dodgers are doing what they have to do spending what they have to spend but also having guys set up that deferral process so that they can try yeah. to capitalize on building this roster to compete for a World Series championship and obviously that is priority number 1 right now not just for Teoscar but also for Yamamoto and obviously for Shohei like that that has to be the top priority for this for this team right now and right now that's what they're doing with all of these guys that they're bringing in um so i think that's
2: cool to see the crazy thing is, Josh, I think you said that last year he hit the second most homers of his career, which, again, you hit 26 home runs, the second best season of your career. And I guess by his standards, it was like a down year. A lot of people thought he had a down yeah. year. And, uh, I again, I crunched the numbers a little bit more. And, again, his numbers overall for the season, what, an OPS plus of 105, OPS of just under 800. Not great numbers that you would well, and expect And those are from down him. for him, too. Which, again, that's a down season for him. But, but, he really, really sucked at home last year at Seattle. Which, when talking to our Mariners buddies, they said that a lot of free agents don't like coming to Seattle because that park with the marine layer is a really difficult place to hit at. And again, it's not a coincidence that he went from Toronto, where he was an all-star caliber player, MVP votes, to Seattle, where he's still putting up solid numbers, but they were taking a dip. Josh, last year... If you take his road numbers, Teoscar Hernandez hit 295, OPS of .830, a 126 WRC+. Those are All-Star caliber numbers. Those are numbers that Teoscar Hernandez was putting up when he was in Toronto. So put him at Dodger Stadium where it's more of a hitter-friendly park, and I think he's going to post numbers, again, just like we saw a couple years ago, where if he's your number six hitter and you have you know two or three guys consistently on base for him, he might be the best number six hitter in all of baseball. He might be putting better numbers than he was putting up in Toronto. So I'm super excited for this. I absolutely love the move. And again, it just this Dodgers offseason, Josh, after what we got last year with Noah Syndergaard, David Peralta, Miguel Rojas, Teoscar Hernandez is the fourth best move, fifth best move. It's absolutely insane. It's uh, we, have one, we have one final move to talk about, Josh. One I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on. We're going to take a quick break when we come back.
1: visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: All right, Josh, one final move. This one isn't official yet. It's likely going to happen, but again, it's not official, so barring some change, uh, something falling apart, who knows? We'll wait and see. But according to numerous reports, the Dodgers are in agreement on a one-year contract with another former Mariner, uh, James Paxton, this is something, Josh, that we talked about after the Dodgers acquired Glass. Now after they signed Yamamoto, we both thought that they needed to bring in another starting pitcher still, whether that was with another trade, whether that was signing a free agent, I think, like, Lucas Giolito was the name that we threw out a couple of times, maybe some other trade ideas that we threw out a couple of times. Just like with Teoscar Hernandez, Josh, I never once thought about James Paxton, I don't even think I knew he was a free agent, if I'm being honest. I didn't know he was out there on the market. The Dodgers signed him, I think it was for like 12 or $13 million. Obviously, this was a guy that was one of the better pitchers when he was with Seattle. Kind of struggled the last couple of years. I think he got Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. Was okay with the Red Sox last year. Was really good in the first half. Kind of struggled in the second half. Dealt with a couple of injuries. But again, Josh, like with the Teoscar deal, it's a one-year contract. Not a whole lot of money, considering you know, what some of these guys are making with uh, him being the number five starter. I don't care. I love it. Why not? I'm in, uh, I got, big I got maple. really. Yeah. And, yeah. I forgot to mention one of the best nicknames in all of baseball, the big maple. <laughs> How am I? And he's also Josh. I don't know if you've seen that viral video of a bald Eagle landing on him, but yeah, I talked about anymore... that with somebody as soon as I saw this. <laughs> So that's he's an American, even though he has a Canadian, you know, nickname. I think he's actually Canadian, but hey, he's yes, a he's British American. Columbia's
3: finest son. There British
2: Columbia's finest son. He's from Ladner, BC,
3: which is actually right near Richmond. I stayed in Richmond the other day, okay. Blake. Yeah, <laughs> where did he stay? Maybe he was on?
2: there. Maybe he was <laughs> the Big Maple. So there you yeah. go, great nickname. But uh, yeah, Josh, what were your thoughts uh, when you saw the sign, and now that it's been a couple of days, uh, what are your takeaways from it? I mean i like it i mean the one
3: thing to keep in mind though is you know i remember back to our like freshman or sophomore year of college together with our mariners buddies and james paxton was having a, an awesome season yeah. right he was and he was so good and everybody was so into james paxton it was it was kind of a big deal when he went to the yankees where things were okay his first year obviously he had a sub four era and a ton of innings so he was okay um and then and then the year after that was 2020 where he just didn't do much he played in like five games but He's barely pitched since like, you know, first of all, one other thing that I wanted to mention, just, I had no idea dude was 35 years old. I had no clue. (laughs) He was 35. So I thought he was younger than that respectfully. Um, But beyond that, like he's barely pitched the last couple of seasons, you know, he had a herniated disc and, and then he had Tommy John surgery and he had like a cyst in his back and like he had all these injuries. So it's been kind of a tough injury history for James Paxton, but look, I mean like the numbers are there for the most part. And now coming back from these injuries, obviously I assume that that's going to be tough for him this last year. You know, he had an ERA at 4.50. He was seven and five across nearly a hundred innings. Um, his, Whip was one of the higher marks of his career. I want to say it was the second or third highest. Um, But look, I mean, the numbers are there. You know, we've seen what James Paxson is capable of when he's been a one, two, or three in a rotation. And his role is not going to be that. And obviously, I think people expect to see Clayton Kershaw at some point in the season. Obviously, Walker Bueller's not healthy yet. But even to start the season with James Paxson as your number five, I think is awesome. And if things go, you know, according to plan going forward, then come playoff time, come the end of the season, obviously if everybody's healthy, which you can't expect that, but you'd like to hope that that's the case, and you hope that that's the case for James Paxton, that's going to be a great guy to have later down the road because he's a guy with experience. He's he's a guy who I think historically has been somebody that's been reliable, um, but he's coming back from an injury, and obviously that could be tough. So we'll see what happens. I think he's a great signing for what they're getting him for. And again, here's my – little phrase that you and I have definitely used a lot on this podcast, especially when it comes to the offseason free agent signings. But for me, I think this is a low risk, high reward type signing.
2: Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario and absolute worst case scenario is he's Noah Syndergaard 2.0, which at that point he's your number five starter. Someone's going to be coming back. You can cut ties, you can do whatever, but that's absolute worst case scenario. And I don't think we're going to get that best case scenario is, is he's another Tyler Anderson. He's another Andrew Heaney. But the thing is also, he's your number five starter. If he puts the exact same numbers up that he put last year with the Red Sox, I think the Dodgers would be fine with that. Now, obviously, they want him to be a little better. But if he posts a four, four and a half ERA, goes and gives you 20 starts, I mean, again, for being your number five starter... You can't really complain all that much, and Josh, as I always like to do, I like to take a dive and really, you know, investigate the numbers, because sometimes it could be more than they appear. Now, upon first glance, when I looked up his numbers initially, as first off, I was thinking, yeah, again, this guy's 35. You could have told me he was just turned 30. I'd say, yeah, that seems about right, but the numbers weren't great last year in Boston, but... That was with a couple of of really bad starts. I mean, a 4.5 ERA, 4.68 FIP, 1.3, 1.31 WHIP. His ERA plus was 101, which is literally just above league average. But if you take out his last couple of starts of the season, before I think he was he dealt with like a knee injury, he had an ERA just above three. He had a FIP just above three. He was striking out guys at a 30% clip. He was really good in the first couple of months of the season. And then again, yeah. he I think it was like a knee injury or something that he had to deal with, and his numbers kind of took a bit of a hit. But for the first 15 starts last year, he was really good. So if the Dodgers could get that James Paxton, put him in the Mark Pryor lab, have him work his Mark Pryor wizard magic that people have talked about in the past. Again, he could be a Tyler Anderson kind of guy. And Josh, if you're getting a guy that's given you a three-and-a-half-year race, striking out guys at a 30% clip, and you have Yamamoto in front of him, you have Glass now in front of him. You have Bobby Miller in front of him. You have Walker Bueller in front of him. I mean, we've talked about this Dodgers starting rotation, getting massive upgrades all offseason, and being probably one of the best in baseball. If they can get the Seattle James Paxton or the first half last year James Paxton, again, this rotation's even better. So another great move for the Dodgers. I got no complaints. Just a trend of fantastic moves for the Dodgers. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but it's a one-year contract. And uh, again, I love the upside. I love the risk. And if Kershaw comes back, Josh, in July, August, whatever, Paxton's your number 6 starter, or you could mm-hmm. put him in the bullpen as a lefty reliever. So I love it for the Dodgers. I love all the moves. Give me more of these great moves. But it looks like the offense is fully set. It looks like the starting rotation is set. They might add another reliever. But, Josh, it looks like this might wrap up the Dodgers offseason as a whole. So before we head out for, uh, for the week any final parting words on the Paxton signing, the Teoscar signing, the signings as a whole, the Dodgers offseason as a whole, what's on your mind with this team?
3: Look, there just haven't really been any moves this off season that have completely like have that that have not completely impressed me. Obviously the Michael right. Bush one, but that's good. That goes without <laughs> saying, but like, right. look, I mean like that, that move that the other moves don't happen or, or that that move has to happen for the Dodgers. Right. And it has to happen for Michael Bush, but All of these, like, there has not, you know, there have been some signings in the past where I'm like, all right, like, we'll see how this works out. Honestly, like, maybe Andrew Friedman's just on my good side right now after the first two big signings that he made. But realistically, like, right now, I've been pretty pretty thrilled with what the Dodgers have done this offseason.
2: It is amazing how the Shohei and Yamamoto things just make everything okay. Because let's just say the Dodgers didn't get Shohei or Yamamoto and they're signing James Paxton, we'd probably have slightly different opinions. <laughs> yeah, we we, we 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 might not be this thrilled. But when James Paxton is, again, your fifth or sixth best edition of the offseason, it makes things a little bit easier. But that does wrap up today's episode of Inside the Ravine. A lot to catch up on. But again, that's what happens when you're calling games for the LA Kings or if you're all over Canada and yeah. going to Tim Hortons. Uh, seeing seeing
3: the, the, the proud country of James Paxton.
2: Hey, man, the big maple. So, again, you guys can find the show on whatever social media app you guys use at Inside the Ravine, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and, of course, YouTube. Listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, and, of course, the Odyssey app. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it, as always. Josh is off to an LA Kings game. I'm probably going to continue binge-watching The Sopranos with my girlfriend because I am on first watch, and the show has been phenomenal. We are on our Season 3 finale tonight. And also one final thing, Josh. Did you catch the uh, Bachelor season premiere the other night? I or... did not. I did oh, not so watch once, that. I'm sorry. Once you left Arizona, you stopped watching.
3: No, I had. a I watched it during uh, COVID, and after that, it kind of just uh, slipped away from me.
2: Well, get going because it's fantastic. As I always. can't. I can't get together <laughs> with the boys and drink wine and watch anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe not one of our best moments. But again, that's Josh Schaefer. I'm Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be.